Hi everybody and welcome to the new Dark History Podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 1. We're finally doing it. Today's episode, we're going to look at Africa. More so, the Europeans meddling in African affairs over the centuries. This episode will cover the atrocities of the slave trade, colonisation, and we'll move on to the independence of Africa and look at why I think Africa's got a lot of problems. So sit back and enjoy Dark Histories. The Europeans' rape and pillaging in Africa started in 1441, and Portugal started the slave trade in Europe. Antal Concalves is credited as the first European to catch African slaves when he captured 12 Mauritanians and sent them to Portugal. Portugal continued their expansion, claiming modern-day Guinea in 1446, Cabo Verde in 1462, and the mouth of Congo River in 1483, and adding to their source of slaves. When Bartolomeu Diaz finally reached the Cape of Good Hope on the southernmost tip of the African continent, finding how vast the landmass was, well at least in length anyway, it would take the Portuguese a decade to continue their exploration of, the, of East Africa. Diaz joined the voyage of Vasco da Gama as an advisor in 1498, but left after the first leg. He died in a storm off the Cape of Good Hope in 1500. Vasco da Gama rounded the Cape and sailed up towards modern-day Mozambique, where they established a trading post, followed by another on the island of Zanzibar. The Europeans for the 16th and 17th century didn't really venture too much, into Africa. The Europeans at the time never had any need to venture any further than the coast. Africa didn't have the weaknesses that America did. People didn't die faster from Eurasian diseases. In fact, malaria, dengue fever and other African diseases were killing Europeans at a higher rate than anything coming from Europe. Also, until the Industrial Revolution, military technologies between Europe and Africa were still pretty well matched. The exploration of the interior of Africa was mostly left to Muslim slave traders, who in tandem with the Muslim conquest of Sudan established a far-reaching network during the 15th century. The Spanish King Ferdinand started the systematic transportation of Africans to the New World in 1510, authorising a shipment of 50 slaves to be sent to Santo Domingo, and the rest of Europe followed. This continued until the 19th century. Now, I understand that that's a very brief description of the slave trade, and by no means am I downplaying the depravity that happened, but honestly, I feel like the Europeans had a much bigger hand in Africa's problems after the slave trade ended, which in the UK's case was 1833, and if you're from Mauritania, it was from 1981. Every country in the world falls into that 148 year period. Mm-hmm. 
By the start of the 19th century, the knowledge of sub-Saharan Africa was still rather limited. In the 1830s and 40s, expeditions were made by Europeans to explore southern Africa. By the midpoint of the 19th century, the only unexplored areas of Africa were the Congo Basin and the African Great Lakes, or the heart of Africa. The invention of the steam engine and the iron-hulled boat allowed explorers to navigate non-tidal sections of rivers. David Livingstone used a steamer to navigate the Zambezi River in 1858. Also, Henry Morton Stanley used a steamer to explore the Congo on behalf of King Leopold II of Belgium. Now, here is where I think our main players come into this story. They are Belgium, Great Britain, France, Germany, Italy and Portugal. In 1876, Leopold II of Belgium hosted a conference in Brussels about the opening of Africa. Leopold had reports stating riches of mineral resources in the Congo Basin and the profits it could gain an entrepreneurial capitalist. I will cover Leopold II in a future episode, but briefly, he used the Congo Free State as his own personal playground. Whilst harvesting the very lucrative rubber plant, he ordered the burning of villages, massacres, and encouraged the mutilation of the Congolese people who couldn't fulfill their rubber quotas. Historians generally agree that this is where the scramble of Africa began. of Africa was under European rule, and that area was still largely restricted to the coast and the short distance inland along the major rivers such as the Niger and the Congo. This would change dramatically over the next 40 years with the invention of better weaponry. The Europeans could attack with a few hundred men and a handful of machine guns and this would obliterate thousands of Africans in a mere hours. Conquest became relatively easy due to the Europeans not selling weaponry to the African people and by 1914 the British held Egypt to South Africa as well as Nigeria and the Gold Coast. The French occupied vast expanses of West Africa. Germany boasted control over modern-day Tanzania and Namibia. Portugal held Angola and Mozambique. Only Ethiopia and the African-American state of Liberia remained independent. Why were these two countries the only two left independent? Well, Liberia was protected by the US and the Europeans tried to invade Ethiopia and failed. Ethiopia at the time was being encircled by European powers. Britain in Egypt, France in Djibouti and Italy in Eritrea. The Ethiopian Emperor Menelik II started to play these powers against each other. Firstly, he gave concessions to France in return for weapons, breaking the European alliance. Italy grew nervous of the French's interest in offer and offered Menelik Italian weapons as well. Soon Britain and even Russia joined in the game. Throughout the 1880s, Ethiopia grew stronger until 1889 Italy claimed it was the protectorate of Ethiopia. When Menelik refused, the Italians invaded, subsequently being slapped down by the Ethiopians at the Battle of Andoa 
on March the 1st, 1896, where, Italy, where the Italian army lost 8,000 men. Ethiopia was the exception to the rule. So many African countries were pulled into empires, and the treatment of these people was barbaric. Under the British rule, the Boers suffered in concentration camps. After years of war between the two sides, the British conquered the Boers, in which the Boers started a guerrilla campaign. The British rounded up the rebels' families, and any man who wouldn't surrender, his family was starved to death. Another of Britain's many atrocities in Africa was the Mau Mau Uprising, where 90,000 Kenyans were executed, tortured or maimed during the crackdown. Also, 160,000 people were detained in horrendous conditions. This wasn't just in the British colonies. In Algeria, France put down a peaceful protest for autonomy by killing 45,000 people, which led to a full-scale war of independence. Then we have the Germans. Now we all know Germany hasn't always been a beacon of freedom and liberty throughout the years, and what Germany did in Namibia was nothing short of genocide when they killed 80% of the Herero and Nama people. I'm not saying the Africans were faultless in these incidents, but the scale of barbarity that was inflicted by the imperialists was massive. In 1885, European leaders met at the infamous Berlin Conference to divide Africa and arbitrarily draw up borders that exist to this day. Representatives of 13 European states, America and the Ottoman Empire converged on Berlin at the invitation of the German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck and divided it up between themselves. No African was invited to this meeting. Many people believe that these lines on a map are the reason behind Africa's problems. These lines, which ignore African laws, culture, sovereignty, and institutions. For example, in pre-colonial Rwanda, the Hutus and the Tutsis were a social group. It was possible to switch from one to the other. It was colonial rule that cemented the divisions of the population, of which one of the consequences was the 1994 genocide. What really interests me about all of this is if you look through history, so many brutal dictators or corrupt politicians have come from Africa since the Europeans picked up and left in the 60s. Idi Amin, Francisco Nguema, just to name a few. A lot of these men plundered their countries beyond redemption and in some cases still do to this day. When these people live in a system that constrains them, they're unable to impose their will. But imagine someone who oversees a nation where they can have their own way on any matter, where he can eliminate political opposition with impunity, 
Would anybody oppose such a person? Now researching through this, a pattern evolves where a certain ethnic group will come into power and the inner ethnic strife that has been suppressed by the Europeans reasserts itself very quickly. The very experience of colonization made future development difficult. These regions had been exceedingly poor before colonization. Their natural resources had been exploited and when independence came, it destabilized these areas. It was easier to be ruled by the Europeans than it was a member of an opposite tribe. I can only imagine that people would tell stories of their tribe winning victories over the opposition tribe before the Europeans arrived and obviously the same in reverse. You wouldn't want to let the oppressing tribe from yesteryear do it again. So, I hope you all enjoyed my very first podcast episode. A lot of the topics I've briefly gone over, such as the Mau Mau Uprising and King Leopold II, I will do future episodes going in depth on these, along with other sections of history, some more brutal than others. So, I hope to see you for episode 2, and more Dark History. (laughs) 